Welcome to Noble Warrior. My name is CK Lin. Noble Warriors where I interview entrepreneurs about their multi-dimensional journeys so you can engineer your own journey with more impact and meaning. If you have any friends who can use more inspiration to take that leap of faith, go ahead and share this with them. They'll thank you for it. My next guest is Barry Goldstein. He's a Grammy Award-winning producer whose passion is using music to transform lives. He has collaborated with New York Times best-selling authors Neil Donald Walsh, Anita Mojani, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Daniel Amen. He's an author himself as well. The Secret Language of the Heart, How to Use Music, Sound, and Vibration as Tools for Healing and Personal Transformation. Various music is being used in hospitals, hospices, cancer centers, and medical practices. Barry and I would talk about many things. We talked about how music is the internal symphony that happens within all of us and how to activate a peak emotion and autobiographical memory with musical pinnacles and how to use music and playlists to manage and optimize your energy for specific intentions throughout the day. Barry also gave a few powerful examples how he creates an emotional journey and destination in each song and why it's a good idea to journal your internal subjective experience while listening to music for deeper self-discovery and deeper insights. And what Barry does to intentionally create more synergy before he goes into a podcast interview. And how he actively creates space and invite divine flow and creativity. The five-minute rule to discern what he needs to ignore or what to pay special attention to. He talked about how he discerns powerfully projects to take on whenever fear is present. And finally, his IRA rule, identify, release, and attune to move energy systematically with music. Please enjoy my conversation with Barry Golston. Really excited to have you here today, Barry. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, CK. Looking forward to a fun and enlightening conversation with you. Enlightening is the word. So I know that you shared this story many times. Maybe you can share a minute version of that. How did you discover the healing aspect of music going from rock and roll to healing? It's a drastic thing, right? How did you discover that? Yeah, it was really from my own healing and my treating, working with my own anxiety, sleeping challenges, stress of being a type A, a very busy record producer, taking 50 to 100 hours producing a song. And I knew that things needed to shift and I wanted to reconnect with music on a different level. So I did some research of how I can move myself to a more relaxed state. And what I found, CK, was that music that is composed between 60 and 70 beats per minute targets our heart at a relaxed state. So I started to compose music at that tempo and really just for my own purposes initially. But as I shared that music with people, we started getting testimonials of all the amazing ways people were using it. And that really in, intrigued me to research the whys and hows that was happening. And that really spurned my me writing my book and utilizing music in the way that we're talking about today. So discuss a little bit about your philosophy of this internal symphony, the heartbeat, the breath, and how that brings a unique sound form, who we really are as, a, as an individual. Can you say a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, most of us think of music as something that happens to us. So something that happens outside of ourselves. But the awareness that I like to connect with is that music is something that happens in us. So when we hear a piece of music that we like or it resonates with us, something's going on in our physical body that is connecting with that music. And our heartbeat, our breath, our internal symphony that is always going on in our physical body. So it's telling us that we're alive, we're well. And in this moment, we have a lot that we can be appreciative of. And that music that's within us connects with that external music. And so this is what we call entrainment. When an internal rhythm synchronizes with an external rhythm, so in this case, the internal rhythm, our heart, our heart is our internal metronome that our heart rate's beating, it entrains or synchronizes with music. And that's how we can target specific states that we would like to move to, not just mentally, but also physically. Interesting. Since you brought up the internal rhythm and the external rhythm, does that mean, let's say the outside is going crazy, I should synchronize myself to that or do it the other way around, calm myself down as a way to bring the external to the internal. Yeah, that happens naturally. We don't have to like create an intention to want to synchronize with that. But yeah, emotions are energy and they as well have a vibration or an, an aspect to them. And we're constantly emotionally in training to other people's energy. And that's really the point. And when you bring that awareness in, that that can happen on both levels. That can happen in a positive way. You know, and I'm sure you felt that when somebody walks in a room in a party or someone, you walk into a room and you look at that person and say, wow, they seem really cool. Something about their energy I'm really resonating with. And the other way around as well, then you can have that same interaction at that party and it could be, wow, something about that guy just or girl rubbed me the wrong way. I've been both, both. Yeah. The guy and, and, the, and the anxious guy, for sure. Yeah, exactly. So it can happen, and this happens in our day all the time. We're constantly meeting people and interacting with people who we resonate with, and we don't resonate with, we entrain with, and we don't. So when you bring that awareness in, when it's a negative energy, you can start to say, wow, I don't think I'm going to hang out with that person that much. You can, you can use it, your energy and budget it. You know, or if you have a conversation with that same person every week and you're like, you know what, every time I get off the phone with that person, I feel drained. And so once you bring that awareness in, you can dictate how you want to spend that energy and maybe not talking to that person every week. And the other way around, when you when you resonate with a person who inspires you and actually notches up your energy where you feel, wow, I just love talking to that person. I wish I could talk to them every day. Same thing. Maybe you want to have more conversations with that person. But where the exciting part comes in is that when we have this awareness, we can utilize music as a tool for energetic management. I'm giving you the same example of that person that you have a conversation with and you get off the phone and you feel emotionally drained. 
as opposed to letting your day continue that way, because sometimes that happens. One event can turn your day into a negative or a positive. If you could bring that awareness in that, wow, that wasn't a great conversation. I don't feel great for it. I feel like I'm in a contracted state as opposed to an expansive state. How can I shift this? And what would happen if you utilize music as a bridge and you actually ask yourself, okay, where am I right now after this conversation? What emotion am I in? Maybe you're now in a state of anxiety. And then you ask yourself, okay, I'm a little bit anxious now. Where do I want to go? I want to go to a more relaxed, relaxed, peaceful state, or I want to go to a more inspired state. And then you ask yourself, once you identify the emotion you want to go to, what piece of music will take me there? Mm. And that's where it really starts to get powerful of how music can be used to change your energy and you get to navigate it. It's what I call becoming the DJ of your life. Mm. You know, you can literally program your day with music to counteract situations where your emotions are spent negatively and you can actually enhance it even more by mm. something positive happening in your day. That person that you talk to and, you, and you're like, wow, I feel great after that conversation. Okay. So I'm inspired. Where do I want to go? I want to become even more inspired. Mm-hmm. So maybe you put on a piece of bumping club music or your workout music, and now you take it up even another level. And before you know it, now you're calling someone who you've been thinking about calling for a podcast and they say yes, or it's a new creative endeavor endeavor that you're, wow, I'm going to start that right now. And literally you can change and reprogram your life just with a a few tweaks to how you're utilizing music. Mm. I love that. So I love that phrase or the metaphor becoming the DJ of your life. So let's following that trajectory a bit. Okay. So a good DJ, when they transition from song to song, it's very smooth. You don't, you barely notice it. And that's a good DJ. An amateur DJ would be, oh, everyone is not hearing it. Let me turn out the bass boom, like that. And you know, like, whoa, it's all of a sudden, it's a very jarring experience. So as, as do you have any specific suggestions about how they can transition, like the next step of the emotions of where they want to go? Maybe they want to feel joy, but right now they're freaking depressed. So <laughs> do they just go for, straight to joy and then club music bumping? Or is there a tra- transitory period that you would recommend? Yeah, I would say starting off simple. So the simplest, and I like that you use the example of joy because I always say, if you just want to start your music program with, if it had to be one song that you chose, I would say, pick your happy song. So this is what I call your musical pinnacle. This is a song that you can identify that has created what's called an autobiographical memory. So every time you hear that song, you can't help but be happy. So for me, my happy song, the, the, my main one is the Jackson Five. I don't know if you remember them. It was before Michael Jackson had a solo career. And it was a song called The Love You Save. 
Mm. Very, very high energy, very just exhilarating, relentless beat and rhythm, great vocals. And so even thinking about that song brings me to that state. And studies have shown that, that even if we're thinking about a song that we enjoy, that we are basically having the same benefits as listening to that song itself. So that's how strong the connection is to music, that even thinking about that song can start inducing beneficial hormones in our body, such as dopamine. It could also start curtailing one of our stress hormones, cortisol. And this is all shown through research and some of which you know is included in my book, The Secret Language of, of the Heart. But so identifying that one song, and I'm sure as I'm talking about this, CK, you're probably thinking, oh, what's my happy song? So what's your happy song? Can you identify it? Well, actually, yeah, I think what's that word with uh, Pharrell, a happy song? I think that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, and you know that, and the song's called Happy. How many people is that song is now like their happy song? And that's a great one for me too when I listen to it because... Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I work with, plays at a lot of his retreats. And just the energy that is filled in that room, again, is creates this amazing, um, amazing new autobiographical memory. So that's the key thing is you can have a new happy song that someone recommends to you. And all of a sudden, now you can use that to program and create a new happy memory with that one song. So that's a great way to start your program just with that one song that one go-to for people who are experiencing depression or anxiety at least to have one song to start with that takes them to another mood and then going from there you can start to program different times of your day well uh, be before you go there I, yeah. I would definitely ask about the different time of day and, and then different rhythms and so yeah. forth what i'm hearing you say is have a go-to song that basically anchored the autograph biographical memories. That's the base, yeah. right? So you can always go back to the nostalgia, the memory, the feeling of elation and joy and gratitude and so forth. But the more nuanced question that I have is, do you just flip on the switch, depressed, let me play my joy song, or is there a transitory gradation to slowly move the emotion from a low place to a neutral, then to a high place? That's a, yeah, that's a great question. So I think that also, so if you, now we're talking about multiple songs and we start to get into playlists. So that becomes your happy song that you can start with. And then if you feeling it's all by a trial and error, just as DJs kind of test the crowd to see what they react to, mm -hmm. so you're going to see how you're reacting to things. And that's where you become what your own sound healer and say, hey, it worked on this day for three days, but today I feel like I do need a song to transition. So that kind of opens up more awareness for you. And then you can start taking inventory of your music. Like I'm sure most people don't do this, but, but I do, is that if I want to create a playlist for feelings that you know make me feel happy or in a space of gratitude, the first thing I do is I take inventory of my songs, all the songs that I have that are in my music library and say, oh, wow, this one would be really great for that playlist. Like Sly and the Family Stone, thank you for letting me be myself. You know, or there's an artist 
Karen Drucker has a song, Thank You for This Day Spirit. Mm. There's a new piece on the album I'm doing with Daniel Amon called Thankful. Having three or four songs now, and if I set those up and say, how does this feel going from one to another, just like a DJ would, we can then see, oh, this might be good to bridge those, starting with a more peaceful song. Then maybe I go to Dido. Then maybe I go to Sly and a Family Stone. And then maybe I go to Happy after that. And now I have a four song playlist. Mm. And DJs do that all the time, don't they? When you go to a wedding, they've already mapped out their, where they want to take you energetically. You walk in and ultimately there's a theme, right? For the wedding. They want everyone to feel good. They want everyone to have a great time. They want everyone to be emotionally connected to it. But they're not starting off with let's celebrate by cool in the gang when you walk into the cocktail hour, right? There's mm. gentle acoustic music welcoming you in, creating safety. It's played at a low volume so people can chat, right? And then as you go into the next level where you're going into the ballroom, maybe they have a saxophone player that is adding a little bit of energy to that acoustic guitar player. Then the father and the bride are dancing together and they're creating this, you know, real heart opening experience. And so what they're doing is creating a comfort level, right? They're getting everyone to connect first by talking, then bringing the energy up. And then everyone has a common emotion that they shared when they saw the bride and the father dancing together. And then after dinner, now they're amping that energy up to just move into that happy um, state that is is geared towards like kind of like the encore, you know, of going to a concert. You don't start with your encore. You, you know, uh, as you're speaking, I realize there is a new genre that I'm looking for, but I haven't found yet as you're speaking. Because okay. I'm a constant... I'm a lifelong learner, a lifelong student. And one of my intention these days is how do I go deeper? How do I go deeper? And then how do I go deeper with music? And music is a great tool, right? Because it immerses you with that emotionality, right? The nostalgia, the memories, and so on and so on. So I would love it if there's someone who can describe the different pieces of music as they're creating it. Like, hey, I'm about to take you to a da -da -da emotional state. Let me pick this music. Here's why I do it. So kind of like a like a masterclass of how to create a journey, right? How do, how do you take you through the emotional journey? I haven't come across it. If there is anyone, if you or whoever, like that would be like the best thing. That's yeah. And I think that's, a you know, it's a great point. It's, it's not only a genre, but maybe a new platform where, you know, artists are actually giving you the behind the scenes intentions of why and how they created the music. Because, you know, we used to have, you know, albums and CDs, right? When you bought an album or a CD, there were liner notes that talked about a lot of that, right? You'd open the album up and you'd get to read about what inspired the artist and you'd see pictures of them in the recording studio and, you know, all of the above. But Nowadays, all you're seeing on an album is a front cover and you're really not getting much more information. So it's interesting you say that. I just had an interview. I did a podcast 
earlier today with um, with Daniel Amen because of this release that we're creating. And he asked me that, you know, he said, OK, well, why don't you share with our listeners a, a, a little bit about each of the pieces and what your intention was in creating that piece? And, you know, one of the pieces is called New Day. And, you know, I shared with him that in creating that piece of music, it was my intention that when the person listening to it experienced it, that they could, it could bring in the energy that every day is a fresh slate, you know, that no, no day is like the other day that with our, their new beginnings and that we have the ability to recreate ourselves every day. So how is that captured musically and sonically? Um, and as a musician, I did a lot of that symbolically where the piece opens up with some gent gentle wind chimes. You know, like in the morning, like you can hear it, like you're sleeping and you could gently hear a, a breeze coming in. And then all of a sudden you hear these beautiful guitar harmonics that feel like the sun rays are kind of coming in. And this was, you know, all in, in my head. This is all what I'm putting into the music. And then there's a beautiful sweeping symbol that kind of opens the piece up into a little bit more gentle rhythm, like you're waking up you know, and you're stepping into the day and you can feel this positive energy, you know, by the chord progression of using, you know, major chords and combining it with specific tempos and patterns that give the listener a chance to kind of get into more of a trance state with it. And so, you know, those are the things that you don't always hear about the music, but it's our job as composers to, to get the listener there and it was interesting when, when I was um, composing this piece, my wife came into this room to my studio and she, she said, wow, I don't know what, what it is about this piece, but I'm just going to sit down and, and listen to it for a minute. And I didn't tell her what, what the piece was about, what it was going to be called. And after the piece was over, she said, wow, I, I just had a really powerful experience that you know that piece brought me into a state of you know of of a rebirthing and a newness and i was like wow that's that's really awesome because this song is called new day and it's about new beginnings it's about that rebirth every day and so in that moment it's exactly what we talked about before ck where now she has a strong emotional connection to this one song and this song can create new autobiographical memories for her that when she experiences it and she hears it again she is brought back to that moment where she felt guided to come into the room and she really kind of needed that musical refreshment that musical nourishment she came in one way, she sat down, and before the song was over, she had moved into a higher elevated emotional state. So that's key for me and what I do is like, I want every piece of music to be transformational, not just like, oh, I really like that song, but I want the person to be in a better state from listening to it than they were before they listened to it. I, I am, I'm so eager to respond. I'm so I'm a transformational experience architect, right? So I love that. And while I'm 
really well versed with the words, maybe with mindset, I don't have the musical skills. I can appreciate it, but I don't know how to make it right. I don't know how to design the journey to take people there. So I, I'm telling you, there's there's something here, Barry. Just and then I think maybe you or someone like you could bring this to reality. I'll give you a concrete example. I was listening to the playlist that maps, you know, organization that, you know, helps people basically certify psychedelic experience and so on and so on. So they curated a playlist for their musical experience, but it's so, I hate to say this this way, but it's lacking potency because they have to make it generic, right? For yeah. everyone. But, but it just is, this, this doesn't have the punch. So. And there are tons of other people who are trying to create this musical journey or musical experience. And I think there is a possibility, a masterclass for other producers, musicians, you know, who is looking to create powerful musical journeys because musical journeys is very connected with the heart, the mind and the spirit. So I think there's something here. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think similar to the journey that they're taking you through from, you know, from from the not music side of it, but the hallucinogenic side of it that is similar because every person has a unique experience that is going to be completely different when when they are inducing that. Right. I mean, you're not going to have the same experience as the person next to you. So why would it be any different? From the musical aspect of it, I mean, you wouldn't create a, gener a generic description of the experience that everyone's going to have and say, this is what's going to happen. So why would you want to map the same experience for people musically? So and that's, you know, that's a great next point for us, CK, because the power becomes in not someone just recommending it for you. You know, the power comes in you being able to identify what is powerful for you. Right. Personalized. Yeah. It's like personalized medicine, mm -hmm. you know, so I can, or personalized nutrition. Mm -hmm. I can say, CK, you know, there are some amazing new studies on broccoli. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's showing that it's really helping uh, fight cancer. You know, it's, it's really helping uh, in, in terms of your antioxidants, whatever it, whatever it may be. But if you do a test and find out that you're allergic to broccoli, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because it's going to be creating inflammation in you. It's not going to be healthy for you at all. So I can say, CK, here's what I think this piece of music is going to be great for you. But when you listen to it, like you said, that music had no charge for you. Mm -hmm. So the key in the masterclass is not picking the music itself. It's about learning what takes you to contracted and expansive states. It's the metacognition aspect of it. Right. It's, it's that, you know, so it's like what Christ said about, you know, teaching a man to, to fish. You say, I can give a man uh, a fish and he'll have enough to eat for a day. But if I teach a man to fish, he can eat for a lifetime, right? So it's the same thing. I can give you a piece of music and, and you might find that piece relaxing. But if I can teach you or inspiring, but if I could teach you how, how a piece of music makes you feel, 
more expansive. What does the feeling of expansiveness feel like for you? So when you're, when I feel expansive, I feel my heart swelling, right? I have this kind of feeling of energy. Sometimes I get goosebumps. Sometimes I have a lightness that happens to me, or I feel my, it feels like the top of my head is, is like very, has a very large opening and I'm connecting to an unlimited field of possibilities. Um, and so these are, these are signs for me that I'm having a powerful experience. This is my body saying, wow, this is an expansive experience for you, whether it's through music or reading a book or anything. So if I go through my library, pause, pause for a moment, yeah. pause for a moment. So do you then make a note of that voice? No, type it down as you're experiencing this. The, the, the reason I, I, I asked this very specific question is this. If I just go in the moment, then I'll forget like, oh, that was pretty yeah. good. But in reality, it was more than effing good. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't actually write it down, right? So I'm curious to know, how do you make note of yeah. how your body actually respond in the moment? I think moment? making note of it's a great idea. And why not journal it and say, wow, I listened to this song on this day and this is how it made me feel. Because I would say most likely when you even go back and read that the next day, even if you read it without the music, that it would bring in some of those feelings again. because your words are connected to the experience of it. And it was very powerful for you. So words have a vibration to them as well. And what you were feeling can be communicated from the language of music to the language of words. Now you're creating a multi-sensory experience with it, not just the music in itself, but how you were feeling emotionally, mentally from it, and even spiritually from it, not just the physical aspects of it. So, yeah, and, and take it in small steps. Like what would happen if you, you know, if you typed in on YouTube, you know, uh, music to inspire and you came across five videos that had, you know, the top hits on them and you listened to each one. And even if you found one piece that you felt, wow, I really had an expansive experience with that and you wrote down what it is. If you did that once a day, you know, for a week, at the end of the week, you'd have seven songs that now have created that expansive state. So do you think that you would have a more concrete way to measure that experience and what that feels like in your physical body now? Do you think that would be a possibility? So after a week and writing it down and finding seven songs, do you think you'd now be able to say, okay, wow. So I find some common denominators that make me feel expansive um, in that. So that's the question to ask yourself. And then as you define that, you know, you just keep expanding that and creating your playlists, you know, and, or, and tapping them in to specific times in your day, even when you think you might need that, you know, so the, the, just like the DJ and circling back to your original question, which, you know, while an experienced DJ, everything's nice and smooth and easy, right? But an inexperienced DJ could be them turning up the bass here and there. Well, no experienced DJ got to be an experienced DJ 
without screwing up a couple of mixes mm. and without their audience hearing that. You know, mm. I'm sure they remember the first time, man, I should not have mixed that record with that one. I just felt the energy of the crowd go like this. Right. So you're an experiment, you know, so becoming the DJ of your life is experimental. And then, you know, once you start getting it and saying, wow, that was really cool. I use music three times in my day to turn around my energy and navigate it where I wanted it to go. And then you can start even looking at your day like, oh, what do I have going on tomorrow? Wow, I have a high energy interview in the morning, you know, with Dave, Dave Ashby. You know, I don't want to be like, you know, in Meditative. Yeah. low, relax. You know, I want to have high energy, man. I want to be connected, <laughs> you know, because his energy. Actually, is... so let me ask you a quick question. Let me so, so let's use that very example. Okay. Do you amp up your energy to meet them where they're at or a little higher or a little lower? Do you have, or is it more just for yourself? Hey, I want to feel good when I'm ready to meet with Dave Asprey. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination. I think that it's like collaboration. What is collaboration and what is synergy? So I have my vibration and you have your vibration. But when we come together, the definition of synergy of that is that what we have created now together, whether it's in an interview or a collaboration for a piece of music, is more powerful than either one of us could have created together. So that's the key is I want to bring my energy in. I want to bring my heartfulness in and who I am. And I want him to feel that, but I also want to tap into his gifts and what he does great. And what, what's going to happen is we're going to create a, a new, unique third vibration that is like Dave Goldstein or Barry Asprey is my audience his audience and they get what we're both saying they get the best of both worlds and they get something they wouldn't have got from listening to me they wouldn't have got from listening to him individually and that is beautiful it's harmony you know mm. that's how we create harmony mm. is, is is hitting that note and it's not the exact same note but it's a beautiful complement to it so so okay so let's drill in on that harmony point i really love that the way you articulate it, harmony and disharmony, right? Okay. When people well, come together. My keyboard up here too, so I sure. can give you an example of that, you know, in real time. So you're hearing that note, right? And so that is, um, I'm hitting an A on that. And if I hit another A with it, right, that is a unison. So it's hitting the same note, but it's hitting it an octave up. So you don't hear it as much as you would if, as if I hit a harmony, right? So this is that same A. And now I'm hitting a harmony with it, which is a fifth, that's an E. So when I hit them together, they blend very beautifully together and they're not the same notes but they're complementary to each other so that's how we experience harmony but if i were to hit that's dissonance and we can learn you know 
the difference between feeling harmony. Does that feel more expansive to you than? Yeah. Right. And that moves kind of into a contracted state. It's not very complimentary, but sometimes, you know, dissonance has a role as well. And it helps us move energy, you yeah. know, of, of things that are stuck. Yes. You know, in there. And if you think of that, like in a, like in a horror movie, right. You know, you know, something's coming up when you hear that, right. Right. That tension is what we're talking about is contractedness and that something's about to occur. So they're using that, that dissonance for a specific purpose to make you feel a certain way. Mm. Yeah. I was listening to, uh, I want to bring back to the human harmony part. I want to yep. make note about the, the dissonance. Let's finish the loop around the, the harmony in the human beings first. So let's okay. say you're, you're meeting with the Asprey. You're actively intentionally creating, you know, this harmony between the two of you. How do you basically prepare your mental space after you play a music or when you play music such that you're ready to create a harmony wherever Dave is at energetically? Yeah. Well, I, I would think about how I want to feel within that interview. So I would, again, I, this is the big questions that I ask myself are always, where am I now? Where do I want to go? And what piece of music is going to take me there? So mm. if I'm feeling that morning that I felt a little challenged and I had a situation that happened an hour before and I'm feeling anxious or anxiety, I'm going to probably use a three or four song set to meet me where I'm at first or listen to some calming music that is going to bring me back into my heart first and allow me to move some of that energy. And like, I, I have a series called Ambiology mm -hmm. for that. There's one called Ambiology, the heart mm -hmm. that is great for anxiety. Another one I use called the heart codes. And when I listen to those pieces, they just really just bring me into a place where I'm more loving towards myself, you know, and that's the key is meeting myself where I'm at reconnecting with my own vibration. Because whatever happened in that situation that took me out of my space, I could still come back to me. That wasn't me. That was just mm -hmm. something that triggered a negative aspect of myself. Mm -hmm. So I would first create a piece of music to feel myself again, be more gentle with myself, and then maybe a, a piece to transition that, get a little movement in there, some, some rhythms in there. That always does it for me, like percussion and movement and bass helps me now feel more connected um, and safe and nurtured. So as we connect to those lower energies, we connect to the energy of the earth and it helps us to feel more grounded. So that's why a lot of people love listening to bass you know, or kick, kicks or 808s and all that low frequency music is they feel more grounded so they can feel mm -hmm. them in their physical body because they can feel that bass in their body. Mm. And then, you know, I would pick a piece of music that inspires me because Dave Asprey inspires me. He's done so many great things to bring awareness into what we can do to live longer, to create better health, you know? So I want to get in that mind frame where I'm feeling that way. And so mm. I would pick a piece of music that ignites me.
Like mm-hmm. I have a CD. I think I actually shared some of this music with you um, called Ignite the Heart. Mm-hmm. And I have a piece on there called Infer- Inferno that is really, it's just kind of like light. It lights you up, you know, it's big drums and a lot of energy. And sometimes that fire energy is the energy and the element of movement where we want to connect and get something ablaze and something really going. So, you know, that's off the top of my head, you know, what I would go with based on, on your question. And that might change the next day mm-hmm. based on where my energy was at to start with. So you're absolutely right. It's meeting yourself where you're at first. Mm-hmm. Find that spot, that sweet spot where, wow, that matches my energy now. And then I, uh, well. So what you're saying is meet yourself first. And then take yourself through a journey, move the different, move yourself through the different spaces and ultimately arrive at wherever you think the other person's energetic place is at. So that let me know if I'm wrong. That way you have range as well. Yeah. And the only thing I would tweak it with that is not necessarily getting to that person's energetic state or their vibration, mm-hmm. but getting to a point where it feels like your energy and your authentic you. Mm. will will harmonize with their energy mm. and I, th- I think you know i think that's more accurate because you don't want to just oh well i want to become the energy of this person and emulate them per se because i wouldn't feel authentic to it but if you can get to a point wow now my energy feels like i'm this is going to be a great back and forth mm. like we have a great back and forth energy going right now mm. and that's where you you want to get so it's synergistic I love that. Thank you for underlining that point. You're right. It's not about being more than what you actually are, right? Projecting yourself to be that person actually just be within your own range, whatever that is, such that you can collaborate and synergize and harmonize with the other person. Love that. I want to make a point real quick about what you said. I love that you listen to your own music. To give I back to that's awesome i i yeah, every you know, time I, I hear some like actual musician or maker who actually enjoy i'm a podcaster i listen to my own podcast like man this is good stuff like so i love that you said that yeah and you know ck I, i'll tell you i'll tell you the, the truth in 19 i think it was like 90 the 97 somewhere in that area I had a really, I had a, an amazingly powerful uh, experience and actually it happened in a dream. Um, and I, I don't share this story a lot, but I'll share it with you because it really is distinguishing of like listening, how I view listening to my own music. But in that dream, I literally was given a song mm. of many verses of a song and the melody and all of it were, were in this song. And I woke up and I wrote the, the words down on a piece of paper and literally, so I would remember everything about it, but the melody stuck in my head and I couldn't forget it. It felt like I had sung the song like many, many lifetimes. So I actually want me to share, uh, share a little bit of the, of the song with you, actually, if you yeah, want let's to do it. Ahead. So the song was, was called actually Through the Eyes of God. Mm. And in this song, I was shown how we are all connected in some aspect of oneness. 
Mm. I was shown, given the visual as well, as a blade of grass, I was experiencing the world, the whole world around me. Mm. So it starts off that way. I woke up from a dream. I was a blade of grass. I felt a miracle in everything that passed me. I was the scent within the breeze. I was the blue within the I was the cotton candy clouds. I was everything alive. And through the eyes of God, I have learned to see that I am everything. And everything is me And through the breath of God I have learned to breathe Yes, I have And I am everything And everything is me Through the eyes of God, through the eyes of God. So uh, that's a verse from it. And uh, like I said, many verses of the song came through and I have to tell you that um, I was triggered by the words because I was brought up thinking that I was agnostic. Mm. And so when this song, when this song came in, I was like, it's a nice song, but it's not, you know, it's not going to go on any of my albums because I was really triggering, you know, my experiences in traditional religion, which were not great. Mm. And, um, so I wrestled with it and I, I was doing an album at the time called The Moment. And I said, well, what if I change the words to, you know, through the eyes of love, you know, and it was, it was nice, you know, but I kept coming back around and I said, you know, the thing with this song is it's not about what we call it. It's about what we're connecting to. Mm. So whether you call it God, whether you call it the universe, whether you call it Christ consciousness, whether you call it Buddha, it doesn't matter what you call it. It's It was really about the divine collaboration that I was given in this dream that I did not create. This mm. song came from another place. And when I had that realization that it was a gift and when you get a gift and you receive it openly, you give the gift many times over. Um, and I just came back and uh, danced with my own demons and called it through the eyes of God. 
Mm. And the song that I thought, you know, wasn't going on my album ended up being, you know, the, the song that most people who bought that album resonated with the most. Mm. So circling back to you, you know, with listening to my own music after that point, when that song came, I realized that I wasn't the only one writing my songs. Mm. So if I was in the right space and I created the right environment and the right intention that I could connect to a field beyond myself and not only bring it into my music, but I could invite it in, not just bring it in, but I could invite it in to collaborate with me. So when I listen back to my music, it sometimes I don't remember every note that I compose. It's like, oh, that's really cool. Sometimes I do, but it feels like it was a collaboration. It doesn't feel like I'm just listening to Barry Goldstein. You know, mm -hmm. it feels like I'm listening to that combined with something beyond myself. By the way, thank you so much for sharing that song. You're welcome. It's very beautiful. I always, always appreciate people's willingness to, well, do it live, one, two, but also share a part of who they are, you know, without the post-production stuff. So so thank you so much for sharing with me and my audience. Unplanned, but fun, right? It's, it's always the best. Yeah, exactly. And so it reminds me of a few different points. Uh, Matthew Walker, one of the professors who was really deep on sleep, did a masterclass on masterclass.com and he shared one of the Beatles had similar experiences where I, who I'm sure what one of the Beatles I don't remember who Beatles. I, I've never heard of them yeah <laughs> right and then and then it had a download overnight you reminded him of his mother and then he created a song I think is imagined but I'm not sure don't quote me on that but anyways he just trusted that intuition and made it into a song and then and then trusted that and then share it publicly. So I'm curious to know from your perspective as a fellow musician, how do you not let your mental mind to argue with yourself to change the word from God to love as an example that you gave? Like, how did you wrestle with that and ultimately decided to trust that whatever message came to you was the right message. How we could trust, you know, for instance, with that song that I was making the right decision in moving forward and, and calling it that. Um, and I think for me, knowing that I was wrestling with it so much, I knew that it was important and that it was something I needed to work on. So I had an ex-girlfriend of mine lay this rule on me that really kind of blew my mind and changed the way I, I think. And she called it the five-minute rule. Mm. And she said, if you're experiencing an intense emotion and you're experiencing it for more than five minutes. So for instance, if you have an argument and you were pissed off, but you're able to let it go in five minutes because you realize that person was in a bad space and it wasn't you, it was just the nature of, of what they were experiencing in their day, then it's, it's, it wasn't your issue because you're able to release it. But if you're afterwards, you're still thinking about that days later, it's probably triggering something in you 
mm. that goes beyond that issue. And in this case, that's what it felt like to me. You know, it felt like, wow, this is something that feels important that I work through. And I knew it was triggering, you know, think my preconceptions about organized religion, how people would view me, you know, if I use the word God, you know, um, and, and, you know, how I was brought up with my, um, my parents' belief around that and how are you going to be viewed for being a, a religious zealot or whatever it was. Um, and these are things that I had to kind of dance with. But that's, I think, where the trust came in is after that contracted state that initially came in where I knew that something was being triggered, it led to a more expansive state. When I came back to it and said, wow, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I call it because it's about what I'm connecting to. Mm. So if it doesn't matter, then why not just call it God? Because that's how the song came in. So it's the same criteria we talked about before, which is when something feels contracted and something feels expansive. And when it feels expansive, I, I was in a place where the energy had passed and I knew that I could trust. I was honoring my intuition because that's one of the ways our heart speaks to us. And, you know, that's what my book is called The Secret Language of the Heart because we talk to our heart and then we have the opportunity to listen to what our heart has to say back. So, in that specific instance, I was talking to my heart and saying, man, there's something coming up here for me. Why am I being triggered so much by this word God? You know, why do I care what people think? And so the next step is when you're having a conversation with your heart is not to stay in your head. It's move that energy down. And what would happen if I place my hands on my heart? And what does my heart have to say back to me? Do you mind going to the mechanics of it? Do you actually place like because some people use journaling as a way, example? One of the, my favorite tools these days is called Rome Research. I use that as well. I can get into the more nuance there. But for you, mechanically, how did you, you know, yeah. have that conversation and deepen that insight? I think for me, the first step is literally, I, I call it connecting with your inner symphony, placing your hands on your heart. You know, like right now, I can feel my own heart beating, literally. Good. And if you start from the premise that your heartbeat is not the same as anybody else's heartbeat on this planet, your heartbeat is unique completely to you, the exact heartbeat. The same with your breath. No one has the exact sound that how your breath sounds in your physical body as you inhale, inhale, in and out. So for me, it's a starting point of speaking with my heart is listening to it. You know, so if I listen to it, then I can speak to it. It's mm. a conversation that begins. And if I close my eyes and say, man, you know, I'm really wrestling with this situation and I just connect with my heart and I ask my heart a question and I just continue to breathe in and out of my heart, slow my breathing down, right, to a place where I'm more relaxed, more to a place where I'm able to listen. Now, this is called the parasympathetic state. So the sympathetic state is when we're running from the bear because we're in danger. 
But the parasympathetic is when our body can rest and relax because there's no longer a bear chasing us. And in many cases, the bear is our thought process, mm -hmm. right? It's going through a situation over and over again, which creates a lot of stress in our physical body. You know, we feel it, that contracted state when, when anxiety comes in. So if you can slow your breathing down and move to a more relaxed state, where you're telling your body, okay, well, I don't have to run right now. I have actually have a couple of minutes to just connect. And then you just, you, you connect to your own heartbeat, your own breath. It's like a sacred touch. If you were to touch your lover's heart, right? She would consider that something that would be very sacred and very intimate. Mm. Now you do that to yourself and you give yourself that same energy, you know, as well. And it brings in really talking to your to your your inner child too and comforting that inner child well don't worry barry you know you don't have you're not a child anymore you're not you living through your parents' lens of what they feel is you know god is about anymore this is about how you feel about god so i'm just doing this now yeah this is what my heart is telling me in this moment that that let go of it because that's something that you inherited through your parents that's not yours that's not your perception i'm talking to little barry where he found this concept of the name of god and organized religion and you're not being forced to go to hebrew school anymore so that you can get bar mitzvah you can connect with god or the universe whatever you like to call it right here, right now, in this moment, through me, your heart. And so that is the essence of the conversation that I'm having now in this moment. And similar to I had in that moment, you know, was that, you know, let it go because this song was given to you as a gift. Mm. And the more you have start to have this conversation, it sounds, you know, it's, it's a little awkward at first, but it's a conversation we have all the time. Why can you have a conversation with your brain? Mm. You listen to negative thoughts all the time, don't you? I mean, mm. how many times have you had a situation come in and you've relived it in your head over and over? Yeah, have rumination, rumination, obsession. Yeah, and Tony Robbins says it's like going to a bad movie and you hated the movie, but you get out of the movie and you go in line to see it again, right? Yeah. Something, something about us wants to relive it. And so we can have these conversations and our conversations with our heart are a lot different than the conversations with our mind. Mm. It's more, it's not about what we think or what's in judgment. It's more about knowledge that we've acquired. It's our wisdom, things we might know already, but we haven't checked in with ourselves on. And it's not about knowledge we've obtained. It's about the wisdom of, of actually being able to utilize that in your life. So what I just said to you about what I told little Barry in this moment was that was even helpful to me now. I didn't even know I was going to have that conversation, but that's how the heart works. And if you ask it a question, you'll start to intuitively get some great answers. It doesn't have to be through journaling. It doesn't have to be formalized, you know, but it is um, a great conversation starter. And music is another way to engage your heart you know so if you have a hard time just doing it 
in this conversation of words and with the inner symphony, listen to a piece of music that moves you. You know, uh, you know when when you're feeling you want to connect with your with your heart. I have I have this beautiful song that probably I'd be surprised if a lot of your listeners have even heard of it by an artist named Tina Malia. Mm. And it's called The Shores of Avalon. Mm. And the tagline in it is, all fears will be gone when we reach the shores of Avalon. And when I hear this song, something about it just allows me to release fears in that moment. And a lot of times I just start writing like right afterwards because I feel like something's moved in me. And if we could release energy what, why are we releasing energy? You know, so yeah, you can release it and, oh, that feels great, but take it to the next level. I'm releasing energy. So, wow, there must be room for new energy to come in. Yeah. Right? Before, so it's like, before you talk more about the, the elevation, the ascension, right? The, the transcendence from having more spaciousness. So we'll put a pin on that real quick. Let okay. me just a quick recap of what you just said. What I heard is having a conversation with a heart in the beginning may feel a little awkward. Maybe there's some judgment about it or whatever, but just like learning about anything for me, I'm a, I'm a very intentional learner, right? So overcome whatever that awkwardness in the beginning and then I can uh, really understand what my heart is communicating to me. I could potentially use music or some prompts or some intentionality, maybe journaling as a way to ease way into it. But you know, ultimately, it's as simple as just feel my heart and what is it actually communicating to me. And it's like a skill, like anything else. I can practice my way into more and more mastery, understanding the nuance of what my heart is communicating to me. Is that a relatively good recap? Or yeah, that's a beautiful yeah. recap. Yeah, and you've you've just kind of described um, a process that I have in my book, and it's it's working with, uh, when we're working with, with sound and vibration, and we're working with healing, it's a three-step process that I call IRA. So it's easy to remember, like the name IRA. So it's three levels. So you just described the first two levels perfectly. So when I felt that come up for me when I was dancing with utilizing God, at that point, I identified there's a block here, correct? I identified there's something going on here. So that's your first step is the I, is identify. Mm -hmm. The second step is working with releasing that energy. Mm -hmm. So once I had that aha moment of identifying it, I was able to say, wow, this isn't my energy. This was handed down to me. It's not even my belief system. So I was able to release it. And then the third step is the A, where now that you've released it and you have made room for new energy to come in, you can attune to higher energies to elevate your energy. You're attuning yourself right? Like tuning a guitar, you know, if I have old strings on it, right? Um, I'm, I'm, it's not going to sound great. And it's so I can identify that I have a bad string. But if I don't replace that string, right, or release that string, if I try to attune it, what's going to happen? It's not going to stay in tune. 
right? It's going to go out of tune because the string is bad. So it's the same thing. When we can identify it, release it, then we have the ability to now bring our energy up. And, you know, for those people watching, a great analogy of that, it's like cleaning out a closet. You want to buy a new wardrobe and bring in, buy all new clothes this year, but you look in your closet and it's packed. And some of that energy is things you don't need, right? Just like that block we're talking about. I don't need to be thinking that way anymore because it was something that was passed down to me. So there could be things in that closet that you now are going to want to clear out like a bowling ball. Cause I haven't bowled for 20 years, you know, <laughs> but I keep thinking I'm going to go back to bowling, but I want to bring a new energy. So maybe I get rid of that bowling ball and I, wow, I, now I have room for a new pair of shoes where that bowling ball was. Now that I've released that bowling ball, there's space for something else. So it's a great thing to do, you know, is to go through your energetic closet and look at things. Wow. As they come up and you'll know, you know, things come up in your week. Use that five minute rule. Did it take me longer than five minutes to release that? Is it what is it actually triggering in me? You know, and that is a, a great thing to ask. What what do I think this specific situation is in relationship to that it's triggering. So for me, it went back to my parents in Hebrew school. You know, for you, if you have a fight, you know, with your girlfriend, you know, maybe it's about uh, you couldn't release it. And maybe it's about as a child, you know, your mom didn't listen to you and she talked over you and she didn't listen to you. Mm. You know, and that energy that you just had with your significant other triggered that exact same energy, even though it wasn't your mother. And, but when you can pinpoint that and say, wow, that's what this is about. It's not about her. It's about that energy of my mom. And you can say, wow, this is really cool. I can release that energy and not have to bring this into my present relationship. And we can even talk about this and I can let her know when, you know, when you said that, I want to let you know what was triggered in me. And now she can even be more sensitive to that and knowing that it triggers something in you and you could bring a new energy together. Your energy in that relationship's growing. So I have a question for you, Barry, because you're, you're a creator, you're a creative. One of the great piece of advice that I received yesterday, actually, someone, uh, Evan Carmichael, he's a famous YouTuber. He has 2 million subscribers and 300 million views. Just ridiculous, right? And he said to me, he said, whatever you're afraid of to make, go make that. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh man, that, that burns so much. So I'm curious, do you believe that? Do you, do you agree with it? Uh, he essentially is making an art of this, the the discharging process that you describe, right? He, he's making that. He's like, whatever that energy is, leaning to that and then make that your art. Curious to know your thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think there's another level to that, you know, okay. because sure. uh, yeah, I think the, the other level is seeing yourself on the other side of it. So and that's a good way to tell whether it's something that you should just dive into or not. Because if it feels good on the other side of it, and what I mean about that is 
say that I, let's use your example of being a DJ, you know, that I, I want, I want to become a DJ, but I'm scared to do that. So um, should I do that just because I'm scared of it? And there's a fear around it. Maybe I should try it, but there's a difference between that and venturing into that as something that is going to be successful on another whole level. So again, if you visualize yourself DJing in front of a group of people or a thousand or 10,000 people, does it feel expansive to you when you cross the other side of that fear? Does it feel great to you? Then yeah, totally go for it. Well, uh, hold on one second. Hold on one second, if you don't mind. Yeah. On the, but I have an experience DJing in front of a thousand people, whatever I think is a projection, right? Yes. So how do you then discern, you know? Well, how I'm, would it feel to you? Like if you could allow yourself to feel what it would, what it would be like to have a thousand people cheering for you. And as their energy is raised from you DJing, does that feel great to you? Does it have a great charge for you? Does it something that excites you? You know, or when you, you know, you, when you think about it, it doesn't have the charge that you thought. Even that 10,000 people cheering your name doesn't mm. really have the charge that you thought it was going to. It just doesn't feel great, you know? Mm. You know, so I'd have no aspiration to be a DJ. I think it would be nice. I think we'd do that, like check a list. But if I'm imagining it, in, in terms of podcasting, what we're creating here has, you know, Joe Rogan size audience, like that their life is transformed, that they have full permission to go out and live their life and then learn these intricate techniques that you have shared with us so generously in using music as a vehicle to channel their passion and curiosity and purpose. Like I just got chills thinking about that. So. Yeah. And I, but, but yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it's, I think you should have a connection to it and you'll know if it's something that you really want to do, but you're scared of, then absolutely you should do it because if it's something that you want to do and something's holding you back and it's a dream that you've had, absolutely. Then, then move through it because it's, it's something that is part of the gift that you're here to share. But I'll give you an example of, of when to me it, it, doesn't necessarily mean that you need to do it. So I was at an event and everybody at that event, part of that event was walking on glass. And, you know, everyone, I would say eight out of 10 people were walking on glass. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was in fear of it. I just felt like I didn't, I didn't want to do it because everybody else was doing it, mm. you know, and was there a little fear there? There, there might've been a little fear there, but when I really searched, it was more about, I didn't want to just do it because everybody else was doing it. And so I decided not to do it. Now, what happened was in that moment, where I actually saw other people doing it and triumphing over it and how beautiful an experience it was for them. I then was like, you know what? Now I want to do this <laughs> because now it's for the right reasons. Now it's because I'm 
seeing the transformational aspects of it and how beautiful an experience of it it could be. But it wasn't just about the sake of doing it for the for doing it and just because there was a fear around it. Mm. So I don't know if that makes sense to you. It does. It does. I appreciate that. So I want to segue. So putting yourself back in the younger version of Barry, because as a creator, part of it, it requires courage, not just the intentionality, but also courage to be, to be prominent, right? Because everyone, human beings in general, there's a fear of being judged. So how did you give yourself to permission to become prominent, to become say, hey, look at my work. It's good. Check it out. Like, how did you find that courage within you? Yeah, I think that it finds you. So when something is just like a burning, a burning desire in you, and it's something that you're so passionate about, you don't have a choice. You really, you you can't not do it. In other words, the courage comes in, you know, that, that I can't say no to it because that's how strong it is. And so you never grapple with it. You never, you know, have that, uh, as Stephen Pressfield say, that resistance of like, yeah, but I don't want to do it. I'm not worthy or whatever internal things that most people. Well, the second aspect of that, the B part of that is something that initially, I, you know, I wrestled with that, okay, our definition of ego is usually thinking that, well, if I share this with the world and I come out saying, oh, you need to do this or try this piece of music because this can help you do this, then people will think that I'm too big headed or I'm too egotistical. And so initially when I started sharing my music and was getting endorsements and testimonials from people, I had a nurse who was using it in Austin, Texas. And she said, I want to be able to share your music with my patients, but it doesn't even have your name on it. doesn't have a website on it. You know, you're making it really difficult, you know, for people <laughs> to find out what you're doing. And at the same time, I was reading this book. It was a book by a guy named Michael Berg, who is a book on the Kabbalah. It was called Becoming Like God. And in this book, he had um, something to the essence of that ego is receiving for the self alone. So we think of ego as, as being too grandioso and you know going out there and sharing it with everybody. But he defined it the opposite way around. That if you, I interpret it as if you know that you're doing something that's of benefit to other people, like it was helping this nurse with her patients manage anxiety and sleeping challenges. And I knew that and I wasn't putting my name on things so people couldn't find out. More people couldn't find out. And I was receiving it for myself alone. I wasn't letting other people know about it. So that changed it for me. Um, CK is if you know that your podcast is helping people and you decide you don't want to share it or you don't want to, you know, interview Joe Rogan or whatever it is, then I, that's what I'm in agreement with, you know, with Evan is that, wow, that's a fear that's holding you back because you're scared of owning who you really, of who you really are, you know, and you're going to help more people by doing it. You being on that show is going to widen your audience. And what's going to happen with that? You're going to help more people, aren't you? Right? You're going to, 
utilize that to, to bring more awareness to more people. So ultimately, you're stopping yourself by not doing it, and you're stopping yourself from helping other people. And if you think of it that way, wow, I'm actually not hurting myself. I'm hurting all the people I could be helping by this. That's what shifted it for me. Mm, I love that. So uh, well, our time is coming to an end. Man, time flew by very quickly. Can I ask you for something for more of a personal advice? Yeah, absolutely. So, so one thing that I keep hearing people say that the voice, my voice is very calming and, and it's very soothing. It's very grounded. It helps them ground. So I'm thinking like, how can I use my voice as a way to empower people to transform? So the only thing that comes to mind is, oh, I can help them sleep because I have a certain calming, energetic voice. So then they can, their neuroses can come down. So I'm curious to know, like, how, how else could I use this gift to transform people's lives do you have anything specific you know i do and i'm actually glad that you 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 brought that up it's something that i i've been wanting to talk about more and probably people on the show are saying wow they didn't they talked a lot about vibrational tools but they didn't you know i didn't they didn't talk about music as much as i thought they were going to because vibration is all part of it you know, and your voice is a sound tool, you know, that you use every day. And so you saying that your voice is calming to people, you know, is a very important tool. And I talk about this in my book, the intention behind words and the vibration of words as well is so important now because you can, you can change a person's life in three sentences, you know, or you can change it in one word, you know, I can, I can look at you CK and say, you know what, man, I can, I really, I really feel for you, man. You know what? I'm, I am sending you love right now in this moment. I'm sending you love from my heart to yours. And you can feel that. I mean that, you know, that it's authentic. And when someone does that and uses their voice and it matches the vibration of the emotion behind it. That's when you can help people transform. So it's the same thing I say with music. When I'm composing music, you know, I might have the intention of creating a loving piece, but if I come into this studio and I'm not in a loving space and I'm angry from something that happened, it's not, it's not resonating with the intention that I wanted to create. And it's not authentic either, is it? Because it's not, it's not what I want to put out there in this piece of music. So when you're talking and you're authentic, it carries a vibration that makes you move to an expansive state. And the other way around, you know, you can tell, can't you, when someone is full of crap, right? And they're like, hey, I love you, man. Right? You can tell that they really you know, they're not comfortable saying it. They're not be their their energy was not behind the intention. They might have an intention of saying it, but they just didn't have it within them, maybe, to share that love within them with you. And it didn't feel authentic to you, you know, in that moment. So what you're talking about that you're doing is very powerful because people resonate with your voice because you are very authentic. And I'm sure that all your listeners will agree with that. 
and that's that's a gift and a talent, you know, in itself and something that you could utilize. And all of us, you know, um, you know, should be more aware and present of in every conversation that we have, there can be a level of awareness when you move authenticity into being a compassionate listener, you know, with somebody else and saying, I understand exactly what you're talking about. And you know what? I can feel the pain that you're going through. And I don't know exactly what to say, but I just want you to know that I'm here with you in this moment. And sometimes that's all that somebody needs mm. you know, to make it through a situation is knowing that they have someone there who's empathetic and really does authentically understand what they're going through, or even if they don't understand, they're just there to listen to it. And mm. that's really important. Mm. I want to uh, cite one thing that you said is everything you do is sacred. Every song that you make, it's sacred. So I want to really acknowledge you, Barry, for dance the dance with me in the way that you show up. One of my, so my audience is, all about being heart center and then bring our unique gift to the world. And we do talk about spiritual disciplines and practices as a way to free ourselves from the mental chatters, from the, from the mindset limiting beliefs, such that we can show up authentically in the world. And one of the, my, my key uh, focus these days is how do I go deeper? How do I go inward even deeper? So I really, really appreciate the practices that you share with us using music as a way to feel deeper, as a way to go deeper inside all of us. Thank you so much for, for being here and share your wisdom with us. Um, you, again, for those of you who is in, who, who, who is enrolled, who, who wants to follow up with Barry, he has a program with Dr. Dr. Daniel Amen. Your brain is always listening this coming week. So go to Barry. Olsenmusic.com to follow up.